Catch up. This is the show where Chris Sims, who is here, and I'm Matt Wilson, we read comic books that we missed when they came out. And uh, we, as the title indicates, catch up on them and then rank them on the Every Story Ever list. And you know what? Listeners, you did pretty good this time. I was, I was going to ask if this was, if this was you. Or if this was listener suggestion, I mean, it's one I've also been wanting to read pretty much since its release. Uh-huh. But listeners really nudged us toward reading this book. It is the 2016 volume of Black Widow by Mark Wade and Chris Somney, and uh, my. Rival, I guess. I I can't really call him my nemesis because he's a nice guy. But he's the colorist with my name. He, I mean, he's your he's your. I mean, Benito, I think would call it uh, a name, bro. Yeah, I think in my, this case it's more of like a doppelnamer. He's my doppelnamer. Yeah. Although we don't look alike. I've met him at a con. He's an extremely nice guy. I can't even be mad at him. And he goes by Matthew Wilson in credits, even though in like the back matter of this book, they're calling him Matt Wilson. And I'm like, they're not talking about me. And did you, did you read it and, and go, oh, they're not talking about me? Because it's very unlikely that, that either of us would be spoken about in the afterward of this book that we had nothing to do with and didn't read. Oh, I, I know. I, it's not that I had some idea that they might be talking about me. But I see my name and I have to be like different person, same name. Mm, yeah. You know? I get that. I just That'd be a little disconcerting. I just want to be an individual with autonomy. That's all. Anyway, the way this book was made was very interesting because you might suspect based on the names of the creators involved that Mark Wade would be the writer of the series and Chris Somney would be the artist, which is somewhat true, but importantly, Chris Somney co-plotted this series and in fact based on the back matter mark what mark wade wrote in the back matter pretty much did all the plotting of the book that makes a lot of sense to me doesn't it well it doesn't read like a mark wade comic no and in fact like it is it is a very art forward comic which 
means the practically i'm glad we did this for this show because you can knock out 12 issues of this very quickly it is a breezy read as as i told you reads quick yeah as soon as i finished reading it my text to you was hey i read black widow it's a quick and breezy read because it really is and once i read that back matter everything about this book clicked into place for me because not only is it very art forward, it is also, it reads to me and I don't know, I feel like this might come off worse than I mean for it to, but, but I kind of mean it as a compliment. It reads to me as a book where an artist decided what do I want to draw and then came up with stories based on those things. Yeah, it is. I mean, each issue, especially the early issues are every issue is one set piece essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's, it it is, I feel like we're going to say a lot of things that are going to come off that could come off as negative that we don't mean that way. Uh, Like, it's a quick read. There isn't a ton of like deep substance to it. Uh, there isn't. Well, it, I, there isn't a ton of plot. There isn't a ton of plot. Yeah, there's but a lot of all of these things stuff. are perfectly fine and can make a very enjoyable reading experience. And I think ultimately this is. Oh yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. I do think if you're thinking about this book in a writerly kind of way. You have certain expectations of where this book is going to go, you know, yeah. and it doesn't do those things. The first issue is a absolute blockbuster, like crash through, like literally crash through the window. Here's what we're doing, kind of issue, where it's like. The helicarrier. There's a big reveal that Black Widow's on the helicarrier because first she's just like fighting her way through a shield office, right? And then she bursts through a window and goes, you know, out into the into the air. And then there's a big pullback two page reveal, double page spread of her falling out of the helicarrier, and that shit rules. No, it's very good. It's very, uh, it is very Bond in that way of like, let's front load this with the, this super big action set piece, big reveal before we know anything that's going on. And it's, it's Black Widow jumping out of a helicarrier from 40,000 feet up with no parachute. Yes. And, oh, this is, by the way. Uh, this is Black Widow Volume Six. I've, I've been looking for the volume number <laughs> for uh, for quite a while here. It's it's Volume Black Six. Black Widow Twenty Sixteen. Yeah, that that's the easiest way to put it, I think. But um, it is technically Volume Six, so it feels like after that first issue, where it, she bursts out of the helicarrier. She runs away from S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Clearly she has betrayed S.H.I.E.L.D. in some way. And 
we're going to find out what, why that is as the story progresses. But it really makes you feel like this whole book is going to be Black Widow versus Shield, right? Like it's going to be a license to kill situation talking about Bond where like she's on the run from the big spy agency she typically works for. And that's going to be the story of the series. You know what would be cool and, is if they did a Bond movie where Bond went rogue. Yeah, I've never seen that before. It would be really cool if they did six movies in a row about that. Every single one that Daniel Craig is in? Yeah, plus like plus like two Pierce Brosnan's and a Timothy Dalton. <laughs> so, as essentially what... Uh, Black Widow is in trouble for is uh, she has stolen a list of agents because she's being blackmailed into doing that. And so it's, again, it seems like S.H.I.E.L.D. is it's going to be Black Widow on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D. through the whole book. But it's yeah, not it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of Mission Impossible one, uh, starring uh, honestly mid actor and cultist uh, Thomas Cruise. <laughs> don't say that in front of Tres Dean. Look, I don't get it. I've watched a lot of movies with that dude. He is mid. He's mid. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I'm I'm also I agree with you. I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise fan. They keep the making movies about him, and I'm like, yeah, he's fine. It's weird. Like he's not so good that we should forget he's in a cult. He's a very intense man, and yeah. I guess that I guess that makes him appealing as an actor to some people. But he's he it it comes off as aggro. Have you ever seen that video? Of him being interviewed, I don't even know what movie it's for, but he's in London, and he's being interviewed on some like uh-huh. press line, and yeah. somebody somebody brought like a gag microphone that squirts. It's a water. squirt gun. It's yeah. a microphone that's a squirt gun. Yeah, and he gets water squirted in his face, and he goes nuts about it. He he gets like, he's like, no, why did you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> Why do you think that's funny? Dog, one of you is going to walk out of there with like $30 million richer than when you walked in. Yeah. So maybe think about that. I anyway. think what you did is rude. That's what he says. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know what? You know what I think is rude? Uh, I don't know, man. Watch going clear. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Black Widow has basically a knock list from Mission Impossible 1. And she has brought it to the Weeping Lion, who is the guy who is blackmailing her ostensibly. Who is, who is again, in a very enjoyable way, the most nothing dude. Well, he ends up being a nothing dude. He's just a front for his brother. Who yeah. um we discover wants revenge on Black Widow for killing uh his parents 
when uh, she was working for the the Red Room, and that's what this book ends up being. Ultimately, it's 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 a big spy story with big spy set pieces that also digs into Black Widow's history in the Red Room and how the Red Room is being brought back into operation and Black Widow is trying to stop it and save the girls who are being trained to be assassins this time. If if you had a gun to my head and said, tell me the part of this that you think Mark Wade came up with, <laughs> a million percent, I would, I would stake my life. Uh, the new red room is called the dark room. Yes. Well, anything in dialogue is probably a Wade. But like specifically that, like specifically, (laughs) oh, it's the new red room. They brought it back, but now it's called the dark room. But like, (laughs) yeah, because that's a good, that's a, that's a superhero ass pun. I really like individual moments in this book a lot. Like when Black Widow and Iron Man kind of temporarily have a team up. Well, first Iron Man comes after her, but then they kind of have a team up and then they hit a point where Black Widow doesn't need him anymore. So she steals his tech and leaves him. Uh, That's great. The reveal of the guy who's actually the, the mastermind behind the weeping lion, his brother, who is a telepath uh, that's great. It is the most 2016 thing in the world that he describes himself as the anti-Snowden. Yes. That dates this book so specifically <laughs> to 2016. Uh, I, I like the way she ultimately plays him and double blackmails him like backwards to get him to work for her. Which then he develops a plan to get revenge on her, but that doesn't work. Uh, I appreciate Black Widow's kind of like moral gray, like how she kind of operates in the moral gray area. That's a good place for Black Widow to be, I think, where she kind of like, she has this end in mind of saving the girls who are in the Red Room, the new the the dark room girls i guess and she will kind of you know do things like double cross iron man to do that um i love the whole sequence of the white house tour the white house tour where uh black widow is giving the white house tour but she doesn't know anything about the white <laughs> yeah. house is very funny it's it's very funny and uh the way it le- leads to like a big shootout in like the atrium of the White House is great. Um, and then there's like, you know, one of those scenes where everybody's like, you know, wearing weighted blankets, like trauma blankets mm-hmm. on the lawn of the White House. That's good. Yeah. Oh, another another thing that dates this is um, the appearance of Nick Fury on the moon. Yeah, boy. Is that still status quo? I read a lot of Marvel comics, and I feel like that doesn't come up. 
Uh, no, like, he's he's. This was part of the original sin storyline, right? When the Watcher was uh, assassinated, and at the by the end of that story, he became essentially the new Watcher, uh, called the Unseen. Yeah, because it was also like there was also a thing in there about how Nick Fury was actually super old. And he just looked like all, every time you'd seen Nick Fury and the whole thing with the Infinity Formula was an illusion, Michael. <laughs> Original Sin had some weird stuff in it. Nick Fury becoming the Watcher so that Nick Fury Jr. could be Nick Fury so that Marvel Comics could look more like the movies was wild. I forgot that Original Sin was a Jason Aaron joint. That's yeah, that's bonkers. Like I don't remember anything about it. I'm sure there is like a a baseline of of quality to it, and probably like all the weird stuff is really fun. But folks, if if Nick if if Nick Fury Senior is still living up on the moon with no eyes, he's he's not no shoes on, breaking his mother's heart, running around like that. <laughs> He's he's Nick Fury again. He's not the unseen anymore. Okay. At some point he got turned back into Nick Fury. I do like the that that the Marvel universe just went ahead and decided this is Hawkeye and also that's Hawkeye and that's Spider-Man and also that's Spider-Man and that's Nick Fury and that's Nick Fury and you know what sometimes people have the same names like Matt Wilson and Matt Wilson. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes people have the same names and the same jobs. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people work in the same field and they have the same names. There's a D&D designer named Chris Sims. I've gotten his email. So it goes. Yeah. Anyway, there are a couple of small things in this. There's kind of really just one small thing in this that I wish was a little different. It's the one element of the story where I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I love that. And that is the character of recluse, AKA Anya, who is the red room recruit that black widow worked with when she was, you know, a child assassin in the red room and who was kind of always second banana, not as good. She's the, the biological daughter of the headmistress, right? Who was the surrogate mother and trainer of all of the, uh, the red room girls. So she's essentially black widows, like, like Natasha's sister. Uh, who was never given as much training because she was the, you know, like she was the, the, the headmistress's actual daughter and also wasn't as good at it as Natasha, who was the best. Right. And after headmistress is killed about halfway through the series, she becomes recluse becomes like the main villain of the book mm -hmm. from that point on. 
The thing I don't like is that in every flashback to Natasha and Recluse, Natasha and Anya as like preteens, Natasha's kind of fucking mean to her. Yeah, because Natasha was mean. Like she was a trained, like I actually thought that was good because she's, you know, she's trained to be an assassin. She was a villain first. But, but there's no like atonement for that. At no point does Natasha say, you know what? I was wrong to talk to you the way I talked to you. Because she belittles her and tells her that she sucks and that she'll never, like, headmistress will never like her as much as her. Like, it's everything she ever says to Anya. And I actually liked that, but but uh, but I, I get where you're what you're saying. I actually liked that aspect of it. I mean, I know I said I liked that Natasha operates in a moral gray area, right? Mm-hmm. But I do kind of feel like a story beat that was needed was for at some point Natasha to say, Anya, I was wrong to talk to you the way I did, but you're wrong for doing this to these girls, for doing to these girls what was done to us. I there's a couple of things about this. Um, and what, like, I think we both agree. This is a good comic. It's a very good comic. Very fun read. Highly enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing about this comic is because it is so art forward and because it is so art driven that a lot of what, like there's simply not time given to what would be dialogue driven or, you know, like for a, in a, to use a very reductive term, story driven scenes. So yeah. I think some of the weakest parts are that we get what seem like really, really good ideas that aren't really explored. Well, uh, like we get, like uh, we don't get the Natasha and Anya interactions that we want. Uh, the weakest thing about this book for me is that there's this whole threat of something that Natasha did is going to be exposed. Uh, and it is exposed. Eventually. Yeah. Then that happens. Yeah. And what it is, is she was the person who delivered Ho Yin-sen to Wong Chu, which uh, if you're like, hang on, who's that? Exactly. It's the guy that, that I, that kidnapped Tony Stark. And the guy that helped him build the first Iron Man armor in the cave. That's not, like, I get that kind of being a big deal for for Tony Stark, kind of. But also, it's like... That's what leads Iron Man to track her down. Yeah, like, Natasha, you were a Soviet assassin for, like, 40 fucking years. Is I I feel like it it should have been something much worse. Well, my sense was that wasn't the only thing that got revealed. It wasn't, but it's the only thing that that is relevant to the story that we get. Yeah. Because we know who Ho Yin-sen and Wong Chu are, theoretically. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering if that was a if that was a Wade thing or if that was a, a Somni thing or if that was like maybe an editorial thing. Cuz again, it's not bad, but it is 
like a thing where it's like, oh, is that it? Like she, I, she I feel older like... guy who in comics died in 1962. <laughs> I do think that there's a a handful of elements to the story where it's like that's all the impact of the huge thing. And and the two big things are yeah, the reveal of like all her horrible deeds which was the material that she was being blackmailed with. Yeah. And her conflict with Shield, which ultimately just gets resolved by her saying Oh, hey, Maria Hill, I was being blackmailed. Yeah. And Maria Hill being like, got it, okay. <laughs> like, like, dog, fucking Bucky Barnes killed Kennedy. Like, that's a that's a big reveal. <laughs> you know? You yeah. know? I feel like that is a, a symptom of the book be like we don't we don't have time or we don't spend the time to really go into this and kind of the, the union of narrative and structure and, and the way the, the book is put together is reflected in all those interactions with Natasha and Anya. Cause Nat doesn't apologize. Like black widow doesn't apologize. She also doesn't apologize for, for kidnapping Ho Yin Sin. Like when she talks to Tony Stark, it's good. Like, and a lot of it is like, yeah, I did. A, I did what I did. Like I did what I did. I worked for people, and what they wanted me to do is is not really my fault. And I feel like maybe like if there had been a line about this, but honestly, like Nat and and Anya reminded me a lot of like me and my sister because, like, like yeah. None of the shit we did to each other when we were kids matters because we were both kids. And looking back at it and being and and looking at Natasha and being like, oh, she's a real jerk to Anya because that's what they're turning her into. And then Natasha as an adult refusing to apologize for that because that's not her fault. And she's only going to apologize for the shit that was her fault. I think is actually really good. And it like, I really liked that aspect of her character because I think that's a really good way to play someone who was, if not like a full on mercenary, like someone raised from childhood to do a job who then did that job and was very good at it and then stopped. It, it definitely makes, makes Nat a more complex character than other superheroes, which is not a bad thing. Like, that's a good thing in the context of this book that, as I said, does operate in kind of a more moral gray area. Um, even though, you know, by the end, she ultimately does a very heroic thing and saves those girls who are in the dark room. And there's a there's a whole thing about, like, where the girls end up that is like very neatly <laughs> tied so up. So neat. So so <laughs> so and it's all fine. Yeah. It's Tony Stark like Tony Stark's just like, oh yeah, I'll pay for them to go to school. <laughs> I'm gonna pay for them to go to school, and we've already found them all loving homes. Yeah. 
The end. <laughs> but I, but I do like that. Like the the thing that kind of leads to the resolution of that is basically. And again, I th- I think this a little more on the nose dialogue maybe could have sold it better, but but Natasha going, hey, if you didn't like the the things that I said to you when we were kids, then why are you doing the same thing to these children? Why are you making them into yeah. what I was? That's 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 the line I wanted. Like, like y- you want my apology, but. You're just ruining more people. You're, you're ruining more girls as revenge for that. And that could not be a more fucked up thing to do, you know? Yeah. Um, the one thing I really did like, speaking of Bucky Barnes, who you brought up a little earlier, there's Bucky is in a couple issues and. This is something that does not require a lot of dialogue. There's just this kind of like unstated understanding between Nat and Bucky that they're kind of the only ones who really understand each other. Yeah. And I like that the the result of that is that Bucky Barnes is kind of like, this is the only time where we really see him as kind of like a love-struck puppy. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's very fun. Yeah. I think that is great. Like the way their relationship is depicted in this is is one of my favorite things about the book. And, you know, the art is unbelievably good uh throughout. Super good. Yeah. It is just, you know, it's an action book that doesn't take much time to breathe. And we we can nitpick things that are bad about that. But I would so much rather have that than a book that is like slow and plotting and doing everything through dialogue, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like compress it. Like and you and me, we are fans of compression. Yes, and and, and this is definitely that. I would I would much rather spend my time coming up with like the di- like what I think would have happened in the dialogue scenes that we didn't see than coming up with the uh exciting and fun comic that we didn't read. Right. It's definitely exciting and fun. And one thought one thing I thought of as I was reading this was you, you know, we've read a lot of comics for this recent comics where it's like the book hits a clear point where the creators know it's getting canceled. So they have to wrap everything up really quickly. That's I can't tell you how many comics we've read for the show that do that. Right. Mm -hmm. This book is that all the way through. (laughs) It's, it's in a hurry from issue one, page one. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, by and large, it works. Yeah, agreed. If we could have two more issues worth of pages spread throughout where people talked about stuff just a little bit, it would be absolutely fantastic. 
but as it stands, it's still a good book that's worth reading. But I think the like if you go into this expecting Wade Insomni's Daredevil, which is very clearly like a a collaboration done differently. In a more traditional writer artist kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna come away from it like, wow, that took no time at all to read. All right, Chris, let's uh put this on the every story ever list. Let's rank it. It's very good. It's good. Like, uh, and again, like, I don't want to downplay how good Chris Somney's art is in this book, and how like the fight scenes are are so good. When you have an artist who excels at like the storytelling part of of writing or of drawing. Like the the actual se- sequential part of sequential art, the sequencing of actions, mm-hmm. I can yeah. see why. Like, if you're Mark Wade, you're like, yeah, just f- fucking go nuts. Like, Nat fights this big guy. It's great. <laughs> and then, and then you know, the big guy's not exactly what he seemed to be. Yeah, because this is a spy story. I, I there, there's a lot of that that's very good. Um, so, you brought up the Wade Somney Daredevil. The one Wade Somney Daredevil story we have on the list currently is at number 684. It's the story where Daredevil fights Bullseye from that run. That's good as hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, is this as good? No. Because okay. I I do think it is lacking in in the in plot like in plot in dialogue like none of that is is particularly memorable like even when there are like good sequences like it's like good funny sequences like it's it's not the it's not the focus. Yeah, and if I, if I was going to be really think, harsh about this book, I think my criticism would be the parts are kind of more than the whole. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm, so I'm, easy to talk about what is not good about this very good comic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's easy to pick out the stuff the the weaknesses, but while you're reading it, it's a blast. Yeah, you only kind of realize these are weaknesses once you've read it and think about it as a whole piece. Um, and I think that is because it's an artist drawing what he wants to draw, and then Mark Wade coming in and filling in the dialogue after the fact. Which look, that's how Stan and Steve Ditko did Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, like. Like, there is nothing actually wrong with that as an approach to making comics. But you can see the weaknesses a little more clearly than you might with other stuff. Yeah, and the the real thing is, you you want there to be more of it, right? Like, you, you want there to be those moments where, no, 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 wait, go, go more into that. <laughs> You're going too yeah. fast. So yeah. it's not like what's there is bad. It's it's it is a book that does leave you wanting more. So, you know, 
Got that going for. All right. So the Daredevil stuff is better, you say? Yes. Uh, Let me see. Is there any more of that Daredevil run on the list? Or is it all other Daredevil stuff? We have Don't Look Now, It's Doctor Doom at number 925. That's from a Stan Lee issue. Oh, that's right. That yes, yeah. there. What there is a Doctor Doom uh, story in Wait Somebody Run, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm I'm looking at like in the seven hundred six hundreds because it is very very good. Yeah, but like, is it as good as Kirby's Black Panther? No. Is it as good as Book of Death? Uh, another like really art-driven story? No. Uh, oh, okay. So so there's the volume three of Daredevil, Wade Somni. Then there's volume four, which we have some stories from, because we did that for a catch-up. Yeah, that's that's the, uh, the, the San Francisco run. Yeah. I think this is better than the Stuntmaster story, which we have at number 743. But Matt, he's the master of stunts. He is. He is. It's... Do you think it's better than Ultimate Fallout? That's one you've read that I haven't. The first Miles Morales, specifically. Ultimate Fallout number four, pages 14 through 20. That's the most specific this list gets. (laughs) Yes. I think that story is very important. But this book is probably better. Okay. This is like... Okay, so above, right above that is Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. And I can cannot think of two more diametrically opposed comics than this and Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Because th- this book is like, don't think about it, just do it. And Peter Cannon Thunderbolt is, think about everything a lot. <laughs> That level of formalism is dangerous, Matt. Yes. To my taste... Our dialogue I will remember till the day I die. Same. To my taste, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt... I enjoy Peter Cannon Thunderbolt more. Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, I think, is more of a complete piece. Yeah. So how about between that and Ultimate Fallout at the new number 741? Yeah. All right. So the new number 741 is Black Widow 2016, um, which puts it like kind of like exactly in the middle of the list, maybe a little above the center. Yeah. But it's a very top-heavy list, folks. Remember that, please. It's a very it's a very top-heavy list. If you're gonna read 700 comics. There's 700 good ones <laughs> on this list. Yeah, I mean, this this is still squarely in the region of good. Very much so. Yeah, yeah a, a good suggestion, a nice, easy read at a time when I needed a nice, easy read. So, uh, so yeah, good stuff. Check it out. I do think, like, 
if you are the kind of person who judges the uh, whether you have spent money well by the amount of time it takes to engage in something, this is a comic best read on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, that's fair. That is not to take that's... away that the art is phenomenal, and if you read it as it came out, you got your money's worth for sure. Yeah, I I kind of hate that way of thinking. Anybody who's like anybody who thinks a video game is better because it has ten extra hours of grinding and mini games that aren't fun, I'm I'm sorry, you're wrong. Yeah, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back in December with another book to catch up on. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion of Black Widow 2016. If you haven't read it, check it out. Like Chris said, you can get through it very quickly. If you want to support this show and support us, go to patreon.com slash Ajax. Kick it as little as a dollar a month to make sure that we do this show every month, that we do the weekly War Rocket Ajax show, that we do every story ever specials every month, as well as movie fighters and snack situation. All of those shows are made possible by your support on Patreon. And uh, as a patron, you get every single one of those shows ad free, as well as at different levels, bonus content, line stepping privileges and physical rewards as well. So uh, go help us out there if you can. You can also help us out by leaving us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use or just spreading the word about the show through word of mouth. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. You can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com with suggestions for books to catch up on. You can also get in touch with us on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com, on Blue Sky, warrocketajax.bsky.social. And on our Discord, which you must be invited to be a member of, uh, but ask us for an invitation and we will provide you with one if you're nice about it. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information about WarRocket Ajax you could want and need, so go check that out. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to MattDWilson.net, where you'll find links to all my stuff. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It's got links. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Good suggestion. Thanks for listening, and uh, hey, till next time, good catching up. (laughs) 